Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Ghoul shit. Always <laughs> ghoul shit. Just on some honest and valid ghoul shit. Yeah, I've been reading this zine that our um, friend of the show, Clon Waldrip, gave us called Late List. Uh, have you heard oh, about nice. this zine? Yeah, I think you were uh, you were telling me about it. What exactly is Late List? It is a vi- it is a video store nostalgia zine. Oh boy! So it's all That's... essays from people that worked at mom and pop video stores, and it's mostly like exploits. Like, let me tell you about that time that guy um, jizzed in the porn section, or <laughs> let me tell you about this one customer, or. Hey, uh, when I worked at this video store, uh, I really fell in love with the front covers of horror movies and stuff like that. So it's two mm-hmm. full issues of just like the most loving nostalgia, and it's really got me in my feelings lately. <laughs> that sounds like the proper kind of nostalgia that you want is where it's sort of warts and all. Like, yeah, I worked at a video shack and some dude fucking spooged all over the porno section. Like, in addition to, also, there was some really great shit that came with working at a video shop. Yeah, like, there's an essay about this one town where a bunch of movies were shot, so they would have an actor section for the actor in town that week, and they would put all of their (laughs) movies on the rack. Oh, Jesus. And it was always, like, the worst ones that were at their local blockbuster or whatever it was. (laughs) Oh my god, this actually, this reminds me, um, did you ever read Universal Harvester by John Darnielle? No, I want to, I just ha- haven't done it. You, you would, you specifically would love it. Like, John Darnielle, I've, I've got feelings generally about John Darnielle, because I, he, I, he's your, he's your uncle, basically. Like, he's your dirtbag uncle, who is, lo- you know, looking out for you, and he wants you to be healthy and safe, but also he's down to talk about death metal and pro wrestling and... Um, I think the the quote from John Darnielle that I think about the most is when he's talking about like people who complain that social media and technology are making us lonelier. Clearly, we're not lonely before like 1998, because <laughs> even if it's just you and some fucking rando Calrissian arguing about Alien versus Predator on an online forum, you're still communicating with somebody. Like you're at least making some kind of a connection with someone somewhere, rather than just. Uh, it's you and one naked swinging light bulb in your sad dad bachelor apartment and a can of Hormel chili. So, But let me tell you, as someone who's worked at retail, the worst mm-hmm. thing ever are those contrived conversations from lonely men who want to talk about, like, this Oof. metal band, but they're a Christian metal band, so it's okay, but let me tell you how good their riffs are. Or... Yeah. You know, who would win in a fight, Goku versus Superman? Like, that kind of oh. shit where you're just like, stop talking to me. Right, the the dumbest fucking uh, teenage boy arguments about... Yeah, actually, that's... I feel like working... I've of, of all of my weird retail working experiences, I think the weirdest, saddest ones were when I was working at uh, the now-defunct Walden Books, and sometimes, you know, you would get um, a reserved copy of a thing that somebody would call into the store, and then when it would come in, frequently you would call, like, some, you know, septuagenarian lady out in Gallatin, Tennessee, who clearly you're the only person she's talked to in weeks, 
and yeah. she just wants to keep you on the phone to talk to another living soul and you just hang and you hang up and I, I cried a couple of times because of just the incredible loneliness of, of people who reserved books um, so on a, on a on a happier and um, more uh, ridiculous note I have been reading this book um, I probably I would say some of our list, like a, a, a fair amount of our listeners have probably uh, at least heard of it it's space opera by Catherine M Valente yeah, um, you talked about this on a, a previous episode about thinking about reading it. So you cracked into uh, it? Yep. I uh, Well, and the thing is because um, I wanted to read it anyway, and then it was on sale for five bucks for Kindle. So I jumped on that shit. Uh, let me tell you, I'm about a third of the way through it. I've ripped through, like, the first, like, 80 pages in about a day. It is fucking outstanding. It, um, the, the plot of the thing is that it's basically Eurovision in space, but to the death, where, like, aliens have, um, come to planet Earth, and sort of, like, there's a wide, huge variety of kinds of life forms, like, there's, um, a, a, a floating, uh, vapor, uh, that is sentient, and, and, um, and basically they have this giant thing where, like, they find civilizations who are sort of borderline, where they kind of, they can't all, all the aliens can't agree on whether this species counts as sentient, the way that they are sentient. And so the way that they figure out whether to annihilate the species because they're becoming a threat and they might spread to the rest of the galaxy and fuck everyone's shit up, is that, like, okay, so you're going to come to this thing that's basically space Eurovision, you have one chance to do a song and if you don't rank last, you don't even have to come in first, just as long as you have done better than at least one species that we know to be sentient and have all agreed to sentient, we will welcome you into the big intergalactic family. But if you fuck it up and you place last, we're going to wipe your planet clean and maybe let another species like dolphins or cats have a crack. <laughs> um, That's and, wonderful. And, 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 yeah, and it follows the, the main character of the thing. Uh, his name's Decibel Jones, and they are a pansexual... Uh, gender splat, glam funk, uh, aging, washed up rock star in their like uh, Elvis dying on a toilet period, where like their their glory days are long behind them, and they are at the bottom of the list of like the aliens who were like these are people that we could see being in the contest, and it's like Yoko Ono, and she's dead, and it's like a bunch of dead people, and then Decibel Jones, and so he is the the human race's last hope to prove that humans are sentient via glam rock. Oh man, that's so um, good. That reminds me, have you ever read uh, Lydia Yuknovich's The Book of Joan? No, but I've been meaning to read The Book of Joan. I stopped reading it because it was a stone-cold bummer, and I, I couldn't get through it. But it's it's a big part is about like body modification in the far future and like people mm -hmm. humans all have like translucent skin and their their like tattoos or their stories and they like stretch their heads out to fit more words on their bodies and all kinds of stuff like that and nice. it's very good but my it's funny because i can watch all of this gore on video but as soon as mm -hmm. i read it my brain kicks into hyperdrive and i gross myself out like I watched everything this week unfazed, and as soon as yeah. I read a book like Lydia Yuknovich's, it's just too much, and I have to put it down. Specifically, like, I feel like I've got, like, a million books that I'm halfway through, and I think I've just adopted the policy of, I'll get back to it when I get back to it, but when, if I find something shiny that keeps me engaged in reading for 80 pages in, like, a night, I'm just going to read that. Yeah, just do that. 
this is going to be a real spicy take, but I think all books should be $5 because you know what's the right price for a book? $5. It's $5. Yeah, actually, you know what? I've just now heard that as a thing and instantly agreed with it before realizing I had. Like, yeah, fuck that. Like, you shouldn't have to pay. Like, okay, maybe, okay, maybe if a book is like a real fancy book that's like leather bound with cool trimmings and, and ridiculous crazy I don't know, maybe it's like a Goosebumps book, and when you open it, it yells, like, reader, beware, you're in for a scare. If every book did that, like, I, maybe then I'll Or if it comes with that out, little like... green hamster, dude. <laughs> right. Then I'm, sh- then I'm shelling out ten bucks. But yeah, yeah, across the board, five bucks per book. I feel good about that. I don't know. I'm sure that all of our friends in publishing are going to write and be like, sit down, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you I have no Why horses would... in this race. I just, as a consumer, am really cheap, and each time yeah. if I see something that's five dollars, I go, "Ooh, I need that," and then it piles <laughs> up in my house. See, there we go. That's how you jumpstart the publishing economy: is just make everything five dollars. I mean, because you remember, like with CDs, like back in the day when it was like, "Oh, sure, I'll pay eighteen dollars for a fucking Pantera album." Like, no, no, I'm I'm downloading this. I'm not paying eighteen bucks yeah. for a CD. But you better believe on every Friday night in the summer of two thousand six. I was at the Best Buy buying something for nine ninety nine. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's and yeah, I amassed you know some trash. Oh yeah, uh, you know turns what it out is? Comeback Kid not very good, even though their that... CDs were very cheap. <laughs> See, this is actually I've just figured it out. It's all right, all right. Here's my hard and fast rule that I've just come up with. Uh, it should not cost more than a Punko Rama compilation CD from Hot Topic, circa two thousand five. Oh man, those things were like. Four ninety five. Yeah, I used to love those. Like you would, I like. I there are songs that I still listen to that I was made entirely that I was made aware of entirely because of a Punko Rama uh, comp- compilation. Yeah, and speaking of compilations, I want to talk about this wonderful little treat I found on the YouTube VHS scan hole, Gorgon Video Magazine. Yes. Oh my God. So please explain to uh, our listeners what a video magazine would be. So a video magazine is a wonderful holdover from the VHS era era where because people had very insular ghoulish tastes, they couldn't get a variety show on television, but these VHS tapes were made and sent through mail order that just had a bunch of different segments on things you like so this is gorgon video uh yes the publisher of the faces of death vhs's and they only made and sold one volume of this volume one um and i learned about this through the psychotronic video guide by michael weldon which i am hard Mm -hmm. in the paint in and um it's just interviews and weird performances and cartoons and clips from movies and just like gross ghoulish 80s gore and it's nice incredibly charming that's honestly that that, have you seen while watching it yeah i uh, got the chance to watch two of them and it made me feel like edward furlong and brain scan where you're like calling your dirtbag best friend going like hey did you see in the mo- in the in the newest fang uh, the newest fangoria that they've got this crazy like it felt very like i don't know like if i were a gawky stupid horror teen back in the day as opposed to the gawky 
stupid horror teen I was when I was a gawky stupid horror teen this felt like that thing that I would have like passed around to my friends which was like oh wow they have an interview with one of the dudes who wrote Puppet Master or like you know you've got a guy demonstrating how to make fake blood you've got fucking the legendary Michael Berryman the guy uh, the the head mutant from uh the hills have eyes like sort of chewing the scenery oh all over the place he's wearing his outfit from the hills have eyes and the fucking thing and he's yeah he's Kaufman for the before camera. he was on my shit list oh yeah which here's the thing Lloyd Kaufman probably should have been on our shit lists all along but the important thing is that he is now yeah so. that's fair but yeah no like these are these are delightful and, and it's so funny because like with Feng- honestly it got me thinking about how like with Fangoria coming back I feel like horror sort of thrives on the weirdo tape trader underground sort of that's the blu-ray market right now that's why our favorite companies are vinegar syndrome and era video because they're listening to tape traders saying you know what's really good (laughs) blood hook and then they're like we'll put it on (laughs) blu-ray now yeah i mean like we never would have come across like the mutilator or like uh uh slaughterhouse the way we have if it hadn't been probably for some fucking ghoul out in the like you know out in appalachia sort of writing into vinegar syndrome going like so uh slaughterhouse though have you guys seen that yeah so there's one volume of this available uh that was made commercial available but a second volume was made but only as screeners sent to video stores and never got an official release now fortunately both of them are on YouTube. Yeah. Now, oh my god. Yeah, if you, if you just look up Gorgon Video. Now, here's the problem I'm having. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to remember which was on which tape for purposes of ranking. Do we want to rank them as one item, or is there a marked quality difference that one is better than the other? I feel like we can rank them as one. I think generally just Gorgon Video would, would work as a thing, because I... I I mean, for me anyway, I didn't notice any, like, remarkable difference between the two. Yeah. I'm sad that there's not more of these. And I, I'm oh, heartened yeah. in the fact that Gorgon Video still exists, and I definitely bought a pair of Gorgon Video sweatpants last week. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh my god, that's outstanding. I, I, I desperately need one. Yeah, they're so com- comfortable. <laughs> they're not a sponsor, but Defo, twelve bucks is the right price for a pair of uh, <laughs> horror movie oh, sweatpants. See, that's I the, the the one pair of horror movie sweatpants I want is um it's the pattern on it. They're they look super comfy, and the pattern on the sweatpants I found are uh, the sticker that was on horror VHSs back in the day that just said horror, and it's that but as a pattern. Uh, you need to send me a link to that because I want yep. those right now. Oh my god! See, this is here's here's what it is. When you become an aging ghoul, you you there's a slow shift into sweatpants. Like before, you'd be like, oh, I want a t-shirt, and then you acquire too many fucking t-shirts, none of which you could ever wear in regular rotation. Um, I, I myself have way too many novelty t-shirts. I need to fucking get rid of because I never wear them. Oh, I just got. Uh, Colette's Sega Dreamcast All Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> Tag League shirt that's just a copy of the ring apron that's the Sega Dreamcast logo, but also says All Japan Pro Wrestling. 
<laughs> oh my god. Any of the sweatpants that just say the wrestler on them with a picture of Shibata? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we're not ranking sweatpants, we're ranking Gorgon video. Let's. Um, uh, we... It's not hmm. really horror. It's more like behind the scenes, except there are like little tiny snippets of like abstract art exhibits and like the ghoul cabaret where the woman like cuts her own head off and stuff oh, so yeah. like oh it's it's pretty dope it's not high but it's incredibly charming oh it's so charming and i think it's just such a time and place thing for gorgon video that you it, it instantly feels like that time period where you're like oh to be a horror ghoul circa 1988 sort of thing yeah so um, Neon Maniacs is also owed to be a horror ghoul circa 1988. Mm-hmm. Would you put it yeah. above um, Neon Maniacs? Now, for me, I wouldn't put it above Neon Maniacs because I think Neon Maniacs, like, it. it I don't know. There's something so distinct about that movie. Um, however, here's here's my thing. I would. I don't think it's better than heavy metal for of its time things, but I do think I would rather put on uh, Gorgon video than watch the real Chainsaw Massacre again. Yeah, that was not very good. I no. think right above the real Chainsaw Massacre, but right below Body Melt would be a really comfortable mm-hmm. place. Yeah, I also feel really good about Neon Maniacs, heavy metal, and Body Melt being clustered together for yep. like a, a pornographically gross triple feature. Absolutely. So, um, Gorgon Video Magazine Volumes 1 and 2 are now number 167 on our list. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Now, while I was in this uh, YouTube hole, I also found the first annual Monster Makers Halloween Contest tape. Uh, yeah. on, and these these guys are called VHS, like VH Shitfest, I think is what it's called. <laughs> Um, and you can find this on their Tumblr and their YouTube channel. And this is a screaming Matt George produced monster makeup Halloween contest. Mm -hmm. I love screaming Matt George. Screaming Mad George is amazing. I want to be best friends with Screaming Mad George. I see. I was mostly aware of Screaming Mad George from the uh, he's he's in the Never Sleep Again uh, documentary about the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and of course he was the one who did uh, the makeup and effects in Part Four uh, with Rennie Harlan. And I think like Screaming Mad George is one of those dudes that's just like that's the aesthetic right there is cheerful, giggly, fucking ghoul. Like, he is just full of good cheer and very friendly and very creative and just, he will And with the hair of you... an angel. Oh, my God. What kind of conditioner is he, is he out here using is my question. And I need to, it's, I need it's to have it. very nice. It, it's, it's extremely nice. He, Screaming Mad George is, I, I feel like if you were sending an emissary to the stars sort of thing, you would want Screaming Mad George on there to represent ghouls as a, as a subset of human beings. Is that, like... No, he's, listen, you could take him home to meet your mom. He's, you know, well-meaning and excited. He was in a punk band, and he will absolutely, when I picture, like, meeting him, I picture him being, like, an excited kid who wants to, like, take you out to the garage to see all of the bizarre prosthetics he's working on. Yeah, and this tape is all about being an emissary and introducing people to 
the like talent that is special effects makeup because he was like yeah. it's a shame that we're in a we're in LA and no one is appreciating this enough so they got a panel of Rick Baker and some other guys that I don't remember who right. <laughs> to judge uh, me. and like you had yeah. to be you had to have done motion picture work to have entered so this is like face off way before face off ever <laughs> was a thing oh okay so here's what's wild mm-hmm. the trophy is a wild bizarre version of screaming mad george's head <laughs> in gold yes yes you would you would never get rid of that bust of screaming mad george so here's what i'm frustrated about one the the whole video they're like this is our first annual award and we're going to do this every year and they never did it again it's just the one time but two i want that (laughs) statue oh my god i i desperately want one and also like with special effects guys it that makes me think of um so my my buddy jess uh she's like my canadian little sister uh she does makeup and effects and like practical you know cool movie stuff and she i've never seen anybody so angry as listening to Jess talk about um, the Thing 2011 prequel, yeah, and because the it's fact that an yeah, affront to practical effects, yeah, like the, can you imagine like you know you've grown up like largely wanting to do special effects because of uh, Rob Bettine's work and the Thing, like this is what inspired you, and you get to do your dream project of doing a Thing prequel, and you work your fucking ass off for like months and months making these incredible effects and then the director just goes and eh, we're just gonna cover it over with digital effects fuck you like holy shit I, I i feel like they should be legally able to like stone him in the town square <laughs> yeah it's bad. Um, probably a puritan stock situation so anyway um let's get into uh, uh the one of the first movies we're doing which is 1987's blue monkey well, do we want to put... Can we put this Monster Makers Halloween contest on the list, or is it not count? I feel like we can put it on the list, but I, I'm i struggling to think of where to put that on the list. Well, does it... So I would argue that it, it can be here, because although it's mostly documentary, they do little skits for all the characters so like mm-hmm. in the very loosest sense if we have um blood on the badge on this list we can throw this on the list somewhere. oh for sure and also be just a gorgon video like yeah, yeah. actually I, let, let me go back 30 honestly, seconds in time and laugh at me for being like i don't know honestly let's put it just right above gorgon video because Oh, there we go. It's not much more. It's a more enjoyable time, but it's not really a lot besides nostalgic. But I would still rather watch it than Good Tidings again, so. Oh, okay. So, then does it... Alright. Oh, no, yeah, it's above, it's above Good Tidings. Okay, so then that makes the first annual Monster Makers Halloween contest number 167 on our list. Yeah, I feel... And if you've not watched these on YouTube, uh, look them up. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing. And also, you'll... Listen, Screaming Mad George will giggle and clap his way into your heart. He is is the best of us. And you know the best thing is, 
even as a uh, as an older man now, he still has beautiful hair. He does. Like that guy. Part of me was wondering if it was like a wig, and I don't think it is. I think Screaming no. Mad George just has he just like processed and hair. conditioned his hair so much that it's just <laughs> like silk. Yeah. He woke up like he. Yeah. He just rolls out of bed, and his hair is already fucking beautiful. Um, so one of the first uh, feature films we're doing on uh, this episode is going to be 1987's Blue Monkey. Why is it called Blue Monkey? <laughs> I could not think. There's not. There is Monkey One is not in this movie. Okay, there are okay. No monkeys. One out. time, the shitty Moppets, the little damn kids that are wandering in this hospital. So if you haven't heard of this movie, it's Alien, but in a hospital. Mm-hmm. But also a bug. But also it's bugs. <laughs> Um, so like they're like something's in the hospital and one of the little kids says maybe it's a blue monkey and i'm guessing insects was the original title and you can't make a vhs called insects and have anyone remember it so in exasperation they said fuck it just call it blue monkey and they're like all right see the problem with that is that blue monkey just makes me think of the first home alone movie with the fucking uh that movie within a movie thing with like i believe you but you know but my tommy gun don't and it's the mobster or whatever and like the the lady that the the guy in the movie kills uh has an has an excuse where she's like i was dancing at the blue monkey last night (laughs) and that's all i could fucking think about was i was dancing at the blue monkey last night as i was watching the movie blue monkey which has no blue monkeys anywhere yeah yeah but, um, okay, so this whole podcast, I've talked about how I don't get VHS nostalgia, I don't understand it, and this is the mm-hmm. first movie where it clicked. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I saw totally there. a tape of this, and it looks like shit, and because mm-hmm. it looks like shit, it works, because you can't see the monster clearly. Right, and it goes back to um, that one video that uh, H-Bomber guy on YouTube, uh, on, on YouTube does uh, where he's talking about VHS culture and the fact that, like, you know, maybe, you know, you don't want to watch Alien or Texas Chainsaw in pristine, uh, you know, Blu-ray, like 1080p, because you can see everything clearly and you're not looking at every shadow going like, oh, man, is that a fucking monster? Like, there's, there's a scratchiness and a sort of you can't see everything totally clearly that adds to a movie like this. Yeah, and and there is definitely the other side of that coin. I like watching Alien and Texas Chainsaw Massacre in high def because I appreciate seeing the edges because you it, it's very clearly like the especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's a practical set that they built and lived in while they were shooting that movie. Yeah. And that in and of itself is so awe-inspiring. I want to see every inch of that set. Completely. I, I completely agree. And al- although, all right, so my favorite scene in the movie Blue Monkey is, so they've got these uh, pupa uh, of, like, weird murder bugs, and they're hanging out, and then two of the lab technicians decide to go off and fuck for no discernible reason. because, well, because they're in a lab they- by themselves. <laughs> right, they've caught the idiot ball, and we're like, let's leave this dangerous insect alone while we go off and fuck. And these moppets wander into the fucking lab while the lab technicians are off fucking. And they're just like, hmm, what if we fed this bizarre blue powder to this weird bug? Um, which, which I think is my favorite contrived plot thing that not only are we going off to leave the bug unattended so we can go have lab technician sex. 
we're gonna have kids who specifically want to feed the weird blue powder to the murder bug which makes it grow to a gigantic size <laughs> right as happens where which makes you wonder what if one of the moppets had thought it was like fun dip or something and just started fucking rubbing it on their gums it really looks like fun dip it is the bluest fun dippiest <laughs> yes. powder i have ever seen on celluloid <laughs> Oh, it, it's, yeah, it is, I think it's the brightest, con like, color in this movie is that powder. And, yeah, so they feed it to the bug. The bug blows up <clears throat> and starts uh, murdering the shit out of people. This movie's, um, I, I'm sorry, this is why we can't do good movies on this podcast, because all I can say is <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's wonderful. Like, if this had been a movie that, let's say that you were up in the mountains with some friends on, like, a weekend or something, and they were, like... Uh, uh, a captain video and tanning or equivalent up in the mountains and you were passing by and you were just like hey uh, i found this for four bucks let's watch fucking blue monkey up in the mountains like this is i would have i you should be so lucky as to watch the movie with moppets who feed the murder bug blue fun dip real talk uh one of the last times i rented an actual tape was on my honeymoon because we were in the mountains and there wasn't internet at our cabin <laughs> so yeah, they're like we got we're... a video store <laughs> <laughs> man that's see honestly i love that shit where it's like um when, when i was a kid and we moved to illinois uh, the suburb you know illinois like the suburbs of chicago when i was a little kid um even the apartment complex the front office had a little wall full of movies that you could rent which was the first place I ever saw Halloween 3 season of The Witch. That was technically my first Halloween, was Halloween 3, which had fuck all to do with Michael Myers. <laughs> and so I was really confused as a kid when I saw Halloween 1 and 2. Because <laughs> they Tom, don't have Tom, masks. Yeah, Tom Atkins isn't there. Uh, it doesn't involve an oh. evil corporation run by witches. It's just some asshole chasing people with a knife. What a fucking bummer that was. Um... But yeah, like, I, this is that movie, yeah, Long Weekend Up in the Mountains, you stop at a local video shack. And the other thing about this movie that I think is great, um, there are no actors of note in this thing. Nobody. It's just a bunch of Moes. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of ham and daggers, like, hanging out, getting murdered by bugs. Um, eventually, they nuke the thing from space, basically. Um, janitor gets killed, and it starts, you know, sort of using it as, like, a nest for its young um i th here's the thing is here's the thing i will never turn down a movie that has murder bugs in it like bugs are and, a, a specific thing that creep me out and the uh bug puppets i mean they're they're puppets that's what's most important yeah like pretty good puppets like i was expecting like for a movie with clearly this budget and this casting i was expecting like sort of papier mache sort of thrown from off screen to simulate jumping bugs because they couldn't afford actual wires to make the bugs dance but yeah like the bugs pretty fucking good yeah which automatically puts it over any cgi creature feature on this list yeah yeah completely and also the fact that now this is amazing because i started looking into the movie and apparently um the uh director of the film got the idea to do this because of aliens from 1986 <laughs> um, uh, really you mean a, a movie where they chase a bug in a tight cramped space and find that it's laying a bunch of eggs and they've got to do something to stop it as well as save children from it 
<laughs> exactly right. Well, that and the fact that apparently... You're telling me um, this movie where they use a flamethrower to kill a bug <laughs> was based <laughs> off of aliens? Yeah, with their lead character, Helen Dipley. No, like, apparently <laughs> the, um, the, the, the original title of this movie uh, apparently was Green Monkey, but... It was changed because there was a theory at the time uh, that was making the rounds. There was this, there was this canard about the AIDS crisis that was. Is it canard or canard? I don't by the way. know. Because it's one of those words I've only ever seen written and never spoken. Please tweet me if I've pronounced it wrong. Because. So uh, thank you, Christina. That's uh, it's French, so apparently it's canard. Can, wait, oh. I'm sorry. Could you yell it? Canard. Thank you. There we go, Canard. Um, there was this bullshit story making the rounds at the time that the AIDS crisis had been spurred by green monkeys from Africa. And so I'm actually really proud of the filmmakers for going, you know what, we're not going to name this movie Green Monkey because we're not going to exploit the AIDS crisis. Let's call it Blue Monkey instead. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> points, you know what, Point, points for that shit. Well done. So where do you want to put this on our list? Oh boy! All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's. Uh, so I think it's not better than Devil Times Five. No, because that movie has a man attacked by four bear traps. <laughs> four bear traps. It's so good. Um, however, I think it's better than Good Tidings. I don't know why I've got it out for Good Tidings tonight, but fuck Good Tidings. Um, I think it's better than that. However, I also think it's better than Santa's sleigh with Bill Goldberg. Yeah, it's definitely better than Santa's Slay with Bill Goldberg. All right, um, now here's, here's, like... here's the question I have for you. Is it better or worse than Black Christmas, the reboot? Oh, shit. I think remake, it's... I reboot implies I think it's as good as that Black Christmas remake, because that has yeah. a man eating cookies made out of flesh that he's cut out of his <laughs> dead mother. <laughs> it does have a guy eating mom cookies. Um... So I think it's uh, below Black Christmas, but honestly, is I think it's above... Is Blue Monkey better than Cut, though? Right, that's the question. Because I think it's not as good as Cut from 2000. So you're saying a whole cast of nobodies is better than one Molly Ringwald? Absolutely, because her heart wasn't in it, and it's sad. <laughs> yeah, she's like, really, like, she's phoning it in, in on that way. one. I mean, as she should. She's Molly Ringwald. She's probably sleepy. Like, this this project did not deserve uh, the, the best fruits of her labor. So I feel, I feel good about uh, sandwiching uh, 1987's Blue Monkey uh, above cut but below Black Christmas at 161. Sounds good. Let's dive into some listener requests. Yeah. So um, we have a request... Uh, from Ryan Bradford. I, 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 this is a thing that I really want to do. Ryan Bradford requested uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake or reboot because I think they were planning a, fran a new franchise. Yeah, the it, reboot but, from and rightfully so, it didn't work. Yes, no, it did not work. Have you seen the 2010 reboot? Okay, I've seen the introduction of Nightmare on mm -hmm. Elm Street. And then I quit watching it. So, like, literally, yeah. the credits didn't end before I turned it off. <laughs> so you got the diner scene of the kid looking like he's slitting his own throat. 
no, no, you don't understand. Like, the title of the film didn't even get on before <laughs> I said, oh, we're going out to dinner? Okay. And I turned it off and walked it out of the room and <laughs> never put it back on. Yeah, going to dinner was a better, already a better experience than watching this fucking movie. So, um, so why is it so bad, Ryan? Well, let me tell you why the 2010 reboot is really bad. They were, so this was um, made by Platinum Dunes, which was Michael Bay's horror movie film company, which here's the thing, I will go to fucking bat for the Friday the 13th reboot uh, from 2009. I think oh yeah, that thing owns Fre- bones. <laughs> oh, the Friday reboot is fucking amazing. It's better than any of the, honestly, fucking come at me. It is better, that reboot is better than any original Friday the 13th movie. It's, it condenses everything that was funny or charming or good about those movies into a tight 90 minutes featuring the human haircut that is Jared Padalecki with goofy lines, memorable kills. It's so fucking good. I love that reboot. But we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about Night on Elm Street. Um, we will... Actually, we should we should totally rank Friday after after we rank this uh, Good news! Ryan Bradford requested both of them. <laughs> This is such a great study, by the way, in, like, two movies from the same production company during the same time period, one of which totally worked and one of which fucking sucked the sweat off a dead man's balls. Let me tell you about why the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot did not work. So, in the original movie, you had lovable goof ham Robert Englund chewing the scenery. Well, not exactly chewing the scenery at this point in his career, but he had a sparkle in his eyes that he was able to imbue this character with life and myth, you know mythology and all of this great shit and then you had jackie earl haley in 2010 and i don't think that it sucks because it's jackie earl haley i think it's that he was the wrong choice for this role well he um, was coming I, hot off a of watchman so he was a really mm-hmm. hot casting choice right i mean i myself but, was excited at the time about it yeah um but the problem is that you know, he's just doing this voice the entire time as he's talking about <laughs> killing these kids. And it's basically like Rorschach kills you in your dreams, where it's just like, there's... Now, the makeup that they did, and it's not even makeup, it's mostly CG for the makeup, it obscures that all of right his there. expressions. Like, you can't... Because so much of Freddy Krueger, like, the joy of Freddy Krueger is watching him fucking leer at you as he's making one-liners while he's killing you and the the jackie earl haley version is just he has no expressions he looks like a piece of pizza that can't emote uh, talking like this as he as he stabs you with his dumb finger knives and so now and then we get into one of the big problems that i have with the 2010 reboot which is that the original movies always sort of flirted with the idea that Freddy Krueger was a literal child molester. Um, and of course, they didn't actually make that textual because of the, the series of real-life child molestation cases in Southern California at the time of the original um, Nightmare movies. And there was even, like, in a deleted scene with um, Ronnie Blakely as Nancy's mom, she explicitly makes it text that he was a kitty diddler. And then when this, you know, series of actual cases started happening, Wes Craven was like, "Mm, what if we didn't, though? Um, Because he's your horror dad and he wants you to be happy. And this reboot makes it fucking explicit. Like, literally, it goes into this plot about, like, bah, all of the parents killed him because the kids were telling them that Freddy Krueger, the friendly janitor, was touching them. And no, maybe it turned out that he didn't really do it and you killed the guy for nothing and he's an avenging... 
ghost who's killing you because he didn't do it and you're killing him because a bunch of kids told you he did and you can't trust kids and then it reveals uh no he totally fucking touched these kids he sexually abused them and there's none of <clears throat> the camaraderie of the original movie there's none of the heart none of the brains you've got i mean at least you've got veteran character actor clancy brown doing his best as the police chief who sort of you know tries playing the part of like well, goddammit, we thought that he was, you know, we killed him because we thought it was the right thing to do, and, you know, we he was touching our kids, and, you know, so we had to kill him. Um, but anyway, so all of the kills are boring, except for, there. all right, there's exactly one cool sequence in this film, which is the scene where um, it factors in the fact that in real life, if you don't sleep for days and days, and this has happened to me because I've got lifelong insomnia and have gone days and days without sleeping, your brain starts doing micro naps where you're sleeping and you don't even know that you're sleeping. And Nancy in the reboot, like she's getting, th she's like walking through like a Walgreens or something, desperately trying to stay awake and keeps flashing in between dream world and real world. And you keep seeing Freddy coming at her and then not coming at her as it flashes back and forth between the two. And that was such a cool idea that they could have done something with and promptly fumbled up their own stupid assholes and so all this to say it's not very good so what is a worse reboot last year's leatherface or nightmare on elm street last year's leatherface and i'll tell you why um it's not completely unbearable because it's got at least the micronap segment and it's also got one cool line from freddy which is he kills a character and you think he's dead and it flashes back to the real world and then it flashes back to the dream and the kid hanging upside down and Jack Earl, say, Earl Haley saying like, did you, you know, the human brain stays alive for 10 minutes after death. I have 10 more minutes to play with you. Like that would have been a cool thing as delivered by anybody who wasn't a wet fucking ashtray. And so that was a cool line. Whereas with Leatherface, the, the, the newest movie, there is no redeeming part of that fucking garbage movie, except for maybe Stephen Dorff is there, but he's slumming it and has nothing to do. So fuck it. Fuck it. Way better than Leatherface. So above Leatherface at number 220 is And Now the Screaming Start, which literally owns bones because a guy beats up a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. The Bored Lord versus the Skeleton. Um, and I also, honestly, you know what? I'm totally going to be subjective about this. I have a soft spot in my heart for And Now the Screaming Starts because that was one of the first movies we ever ranked for this podcast. Well, and also it has a guy beating up a skeleton. <laughs> it gave us a gift of a guy smacking a skeleton over and over against a headstone. What's not to love? So where do you want to put uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the reboot? I think, now here's the thing. I do think it's better at least than hellraiser judgment yo for because, sure i haven't seen it yeah. i can tell you it's better than hellraiser <laughs> judgment right well and also because it i i can't even believe i'm gonna say this i appreciate in theory that they were trying to do a different direction for nightmare on Elm street because i mean i can understand if you were casting for this movie not wanting to try to out Robert Englund, Robert Englund in the role. Like, maybe you yeah. were trying to do a scarier, more brutal version of Freddy, and they tried a thing, and it didn't work out, and points for, I, you know, points for trying at least, I guess, on that front, whereas um, Hellraiser Judgment is a shit show from start to finish. So, 
Now, above Hellraiser Judgment is fear.com.com. Dot com, dot com, dot com. I think fear.com is better than <laughs> the, the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot because at least there's an entertaining sort of, oh, there was that time when people were afraid of an evil internet. Uh, <laughs> the internet, but it, with ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> what if the internet was haunted? Uh, that I gotta give it um, points over the Nightmare reboot. So, yeah. So I feel good about putting it uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot above Hellraiser Judgment, but below fear.com.com. Okay, so that's our new 223. Ryan, it just dawned on me that we've hit 251 movies. Oh my god. The 250th movie we did was the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. Ugh. Fuck. No oh, fanfare, though. Fitting. Let's plug on. Um, the next movie uh-huh. although, that although, Ryan although, Bradford... Side note, here before, side note here before we plug on. I want to put forward out into the universe and onto a recording. If I had my druthers and I was casting for a re-reboot of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, the number one actor I would want to get on the horn for Freddy Krueger, motherfucking Ben Schwartz, Jean-Ralphio from Parks and Rec. I think he would do a fucking phenomenal job as Freddy Krueger. You know Cause... that that didn't that never occurred to me, but I'm it, you have my attention. Yeah, because you want because with Robert Englund especially like with Wes Craven talking about casting for the role of Freddy Krueger, it was like you know he initially Freddy Krueger was supposed to be an old man. And they kept bringing in older actors to read for the part. And, you know, Wes Craven talks about, like, the problem was that there was a meanness that wasn't there with the old men. Because maybe if you're an old man, you've seen so much of life that there's, like, a tenderness to you. And then this goofy fucking kinetic ham walks in. And he's so excited and goofy. And like, hey, I'm Robert Anglin. It's great to meet you. And, like, I think he would want that with Ben Schwartz where it's, like, a guy with legitimate comedic chops who can also do serious roles. Because he, he fucking murdered it on um, House of Lies. Like, I think Ben Schwartz, you get him in the makeup and you let him go, I think he would be fucking phenomenal as Freddy Krueger. All right, make so, it happen, internet. That's my take. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I say. Um, so what's the uh, the next one you want to do? So Ryan Bradford also wants us to do the 2009 Friday the 13th. So yeah. this is the first Friday the 13th we have put on the list. Um, wow. Oh, my God. Oh my god, the first Friday movie we have ever done is the reboot. Yeah, and all I gotta oh. say is that girl that gets uh, her head conked on the dock because a machete's in her head. <laughs> it's so good. There's that death. The One of the first deaths in the movie, somebody gets, t- like, uh, they're in a sleeping bag, and he, like, ties them up in the sleeping bag and just hangs them over a campfire, and they cook to death screaming. Um... But I feel like we're we're burying the lead here. This movie features dialogue that uh, is uh, uh, a bro having sex with a with a sexy lady and announcing things like your tits are so juicy, dude, and oh you got you got you got per- there's you, your tits are so juicy, dude, and oh you got perfect nipple placement, baby. Like it's ah oh, this movie understands how fucking trash the Friday series is, and I just adore it. Like it's I. Uh, and now, it, it, the one thing I don't really care for is that it briefly turns into see no evil with, like, he's got this underground labyrinthine lair, does Jason. Um, and it basically condenses the first few movies where it's like, it, the, the intro to the thing gives you a previously on Friday the 13th thing where it gives you a very quick black and white 
uh, recap of Pamela Voorhees killing people because her shitty kid died and now she's killing people. And it just fast forwards through that and gets to the part with Jason and he's got the sack on his head from part two and then he quickly gets the hockey mask. Um, I fucking adore this this movie. I think it's really good. So is it better than the Black Christmas remake? Oh, by a country mile, it's better than Black Christmas. Now, um, the mm-hmm. other um, movie of its ilk that I think of is House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, that's fair. Just sort of slapstick, ridiculous pop horror. Just the just that very two thousands, mid two thousands to early teens of just like color palette of mud everything's got to be hyper bloody and gritty and grim dark and nothing is happy ever well see house of thousand corpses i think of that as for some reason being like technicolor splat where it's just like yeah you're right i'm really thinking more about devil's rejects devil's right right which i think is it helps with the contrast the devil's rejects yeah you're exactly right the color of a naugahyde luncheonette booth uh, and then, although, I mean, I do think you're spot on, though, with House of a Thousand Corpses. I, th- I feel like you could do a double feature of the Friday reboot and House of a Thousand Corpses. If a bull pizzle cane could be a movie, it would be The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do also think, now, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, I think the, uh, the short, Your Date is Here, yeah. is probably better than the friday reboot well because it does the friday reboot in like 10 minutes (laughs) yeah yeah it's a it's a little like it's a tasty little hamburger slider or is it just a slider i don't think they're hamburger sliders that's like saying slider slider um yeah it's a perfect little tiny cheeseburger of a horror short and i think it condenses everything that it needs to down into like five minutes and yeah probably rather watch that again than the friday reboot would you rather watch the friday reboot than zygote yeah, I think I would. I think I would. Okay. I really like it. And also, this was during the period that um, Jensen Ackles uh, was also in a reboot of a horror movie with My Bloody Valentine as his uh, tall, idiot uh, co-star Jared Padalecki is in this. And it's, I don't know, it feels very, very of its time, and I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of it. Okay, so that is number 154. Now, we've got to do this final movie because I can't say not to talk about it. Um, Let's do it. Hinderly requested Rooney motherfucking Harlan's Mind Hunters from 2004. Oh, fuck yeah. I've never yeah, seen right. this movie before, and it is a delight because there's a line that says, I guess we found his weakness bullets. <laughs> See, I. Now, all right, so Amanda, uh, Amanda Hinderly, who. Um, I, which, by the way, Amanda, I want to personally thank you for requesting Mind Hunters by Rennie Harlan. Because, like, so I'm a big fan of Rennie Harlan because The Long Kiss Goodnight is um, fucking outstanding. And also he did Nightmare Part 4, which I respect Rennie Harlan for the fact that he literally loitered outside the New Line offices, bothering them for a job long enough. Like, he basically did what our parents think you can do now to get a job, and it actually yeah, worked yeah, for him. Yeah, he pounded the pavement until he got a movie deal. <laughs> yeah he pounded the pavement and just you know walked up to that new line cinema foreman and said gee sir i'm scandinavian and very tall i haven't bathed in weeks and i'd like a job and they were like okay um inspiration to us all 
Uh, and so Mind Hunters, what? All right, I want to get your take on fucking Mind Hunters. So it's okay. So it's CIA profilers go to an island to do a demo but also ll cool j is observing them as a cop right. from in from philadelphia mm-hmm. but he's not but also christian slater is in the cast for some reason and yeah, everyone is. is wearing a puma t-shirt and everyone is drinking Coca-Cola, and everyone has a Timex watch, which the killer uses to show everyone the time. It is just the most extra movie. There's an underwater gunfight. <laughs> yes. yes. And they literally like under- yeah. swim to the top of the water to hold their guns above the water to wait to see who's going to pop their head up first so that they can shoot each other. Oh my god. And also, like. Also, uh, fucking spoiler alert Christian Slater gets frozen with fucking. Um, uh, oh, what is it? It's, T, it's T1000 style, gets shattered apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he gets the, uh, uh, the uh, Wesley Snipes from Demolition Man, like. Or, or Jason X. God damn, there's a lot of things where somebody gets frozen and then shattered, isn't there? Yeah, it, it was um, a real hard on in the nineties for, oh, for the two yeah. thousands. Oh, as was the as was the style at the time in the early two thousands, late nineties. Um, and Rennie Harlan, who of course also did Deep Blue Sea, which also had LL Cool J in it. Yeah, um, I think LL Cool J is Rennie Harlan's muse, and rightfully <laughs> so. Spicy take: LL Cool J is the Kyle MacLachlan to Rennie Harlan's David Lynch. No, that's for real. Print that on a shirt. <laughs> you know <laughs> shout it from the rooftops yep right there um and yeah like this movie it is bonkers it is bug fuck bananas and it, and the thing is with Rennie harlan i feel like uh he's like a dumber but more enthusiastic paul verhoeven okay yeah i see that because his movies like, are nowhere near as good as verhoeven's but like oh no god bless him he's gonna try and he's like wouldn't it be cool if yeah i mean like long kiss Goodnight is literally you know like you're picturing like you know super thick scandinavian or like you know not not, not you know i'm not gonna say scandinavian finish let's 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 be specific a thick finnish voice with long kiss Goodnight saying like wouldn't it be cool if Gina Davis and Sam Jackson were in an office building and there was an explosion from a grenade that literally fills the entire thing with a giant plume of fire that they run from, jump out a window with a machine gun over ice, and they shoot a hole in the ice that they then fall through. Wouldn't that be cool? And yes, Rennie Harlan, that would be cool, and I do want to see an underwater gunfight in fucking Mindhunters. <laughs> I, also... I just love him. Oh, man. And the guy who has to climb on the ceiling because the floor has electric yes. lights that are electrifying the water, the puddles of water on the floor. Oh, yeah. Oh, this my movie's God. This great. It's just, number it's one. Fucking, it's <laughs> it's <laughs> number one. Better than Texas Chainsaw. Better than Alien. Fuck, yeah. Actually, I'm cool with putting this relatively high on the list. Or little, okay, it's not better than Deep than Blue Sea. No, it's not. No, I, th- I think Deep Blue Sea is a little better. Oh, shit. Guess what's right under Deep Blue Sea? <laughs> it's, oh, we meet again, old friend. Cat in the Brain. <laughs> better than Cat in the Brain. That's a no-brainer. Oh, for sure better than Cat in the Brain. So, wow, that actually gives us our answer perfectly. Better than Cat in the Brain, but not as good as Rennie Harlan's other 
masterpiece. Underwater <laughs> masterpiece deep blue sea. Uh, at, at coming in at a cool number eighty-seven is Mind Hunters by Rennie Harlan from two thousand four. Listen, and here's the thing. Thank you for suggesting this, Hinderley, because I read. I've, I've never heard of this movie. I read the description. I said this is gonna suck, and then I put it on and was pleasantly surprised. Well, they were, yeah, because you're thinking, oh, two thousand four Rennie Harlan movie with Christian Slater slumming it, but no, it it it's so good. Yeah, it's very good. So, yeah. So, if you want to put in a listener request, all you got to do is go to rankandvile.tumblr.com and put that in our ask box or email it to us at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, uh, we are on Tumblr at rankandvile.tumblr.com. We're on Instagram also at rankandvile.tumblr.com. Uh, you can catch us uh, shitting the bed constantly and making bad memes on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast. Uh, and then also, hey guys, if you like the podcast and you like listening to us, um, by the way, guys, thank you for those of you who have been listening to the show. We just got to our 250th movie. That is a quarter of a thousand horror movies ranked for this podcast. And honestly, kind of fucking proud of that. Well done. Well yeah, done we're all. actually at 253 now, which I guess... We started with two, so yeah, we're at 251 by this episode. Yeah, um, and it's just, yeah, honestly, guys, this podcast is such a fucking joy to do, um, and even even when we howl loudly and clutch our faces about bad movies that we're watching for this podcast, you need to know that I I generally, I, I, or I generally and genuinely love watching bad movies for this podcast. Yeah, um, it's... And I'm so, and I'm... I'm so glad that you guys are into this wild bullshit. So thank you for listening. And if you are a longtime listener or even a new listener uh, and you want to get other, you, you want to get butts in seats for this podcast and have other people listen to it, a good way to do that is to go on iTunes and uh, shoot us a five-star review. You don't even have to leave like a long note about um, how excited you are that we are debating the auteur merits of Rennie Harlan. You can just be like, hey, I like horror movies and I like people who talk about horror movies. And it's good. And then leave that as a review. But, yeah, that would do us a big favor. And speaking of butts, you need Zubaz on your butt. And here is the best (laughs) testimonial I can give you. Yesterday, I mowed the lawn in my Zubaz, and it was the most comfortable uh, physical activity I've ever done. Also, I got done mowing the lawn and was so jazzed because I was in my Zubaz, I got out the axe and cut down that pesky tree in my backyard that's been bugging me. All because of the power of Zubaz. Yeah, you will You will actually instantly sprout uh, montage music from your body. It'll just start leaking out of every pore. It'll sound like a Casio synth, and you're going to want to do step aerobics. So yeah, um, if you what's the uh, what's the code for uh, for Zubas if you want to if you want to pick up a uh, rankvile15 at zubas.com. Hell yeah! Um, but barring that, uh, I think that might be all we got for this week. Yeah, uh, you got anything else? That's it. Have a good week, folks. Bye.